My guest today is one of my dearest friends in the world, Molly Jongfast. She is an author at Vanity Fair, a podcaster on fast politics, which is outstanding, and you should listen to it, especially when I'm on, because we're outstanding on it. And again, one of my one of my great friends. There was also maintained what was called an enemy's list. Democrats want Republicans dead. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody. The women with the least likelihood of getting pregnant are the ones most worried about having abortions. On January 6th of 2021, you had tens of thousands of people peacefully protesting. You're the president of the United States. You can declassify just by saying um, it's declassified. It's not a right-wing conspiracy theory. It's not QAnon. It's real. (laughs) I'm Rick Wilson, and this is The Enemies List. Molly, welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're having a beautiful Monday, aside from all the stresses and strains in the world, and celebrating the celebrating the first day of DeSantis Stan. So today is the first day of DeSantis Palooza, a uh, national holiday. I I think it's sort of I mean, to, for me this is a run up to CPAC. Here we have a CPAC where neither Pence, the former VP nor DeSantis are going to go because for obvious reasons. I mean, if you had been Mike Pence on January 6th and you had lived through that experience, you might not want to go to a place where a huge group of Trump supporters are hanging out. Come on, Molly. It's not like the president would sort of elliptically say that he wanted Mike Pence to die. I mean, 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 that could never happen, right? (laughs) I mean, it makes sense to me. Like, I get why Mike Pence might be a little skittish, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, Mike, Mike has never been exactly one of those people that you think of as uh, one of the boldest, the, one of the boldest folks in the room. But, um, I mean, the idea that that Trump has CPAC to himself, at some level, it really has to uh, has to make him happy. It really has to give him a sense of, like... Ha ha, still my party, still my organizations, still my still my plaything. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that the fact that DeSantis isn't gonna be there is a pretty big deal. Yeah, I think he's scared. Because I mean, let's... a lot of people want yeah, go on. A lot of people want DeSantis as a presumptive nominee. Sure. So but I, I think, think this is a pretty I, big deal. But I think that that a lot of the people that want that are also not uh, realistically connected to the Republican base anymore. Because, you know, th- right. let's put it this way. The guys at National Review who think DeSantis shits gold nuggets and, and smells like a summer breeze, um, th- those people are not exactly hanging out at at the uh, the MAGA ra- the MAGA Patriot rallies um, and, and sporting the red hats around town. They are not uh, believers in, in QAnon or any of the other hot garbage that's out there. They think... DeSantis is like a return to normalcy and, and right. the rest of the world is, is, uh, it, it, the rest of MAGA world is still the rest of MAGA world. It's still lunatics. Right. And, and I, I don't think they're past it. I mean, we, we've, we've seen all these, all these surveys where, where, you know, in a, in a one-to-one field, Trump beats him handily in a multi-candidate field, Trump beats them all. I mean, they're going to fight each other while Trump warms up the flamethrower to incinerate the entire group, I think. 
Well, I was wondering because I was thinking about uh, we saw um, we saw Rona Romney on CNN and she was saying that really Republicans needed to stop fighting each other and start fighting Democrats. But that seems very optimistic from Rona. It also is a flashback. Rona did two flashbacks. That, that, that makes two flashbacks for her this week. The first flashback was when she said, oh, all the candidates have to sign a loyalty oath to the party, right. just like Reince Priebus did in 2015. And he got, you know, and right. Trump made him come to Trump Tower and 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 he took a sort of like um, office depot, good job in the office certificate and printed it out for Trump to sign. Um, and Ron did the Jesus. same thing this weekend. Now she's saying, just as Reince did, oh, we need to be focused on the outside. We need to be attacking Hillary, not attacking each other. Uh-huh. Right. Have you met Donald Trump? <laughs> Have you met him? Well, I mean, I just think they think he'll just go away quietly, and I don't think he will. This is this is like to my mind, Molly, and I want to I want to think about this. There's a there's a uh, this illusion I think that people live under that somehow the Republican Party base, the ones that vote in the primaries. Is somehow like they're they're over it all. They're not over it all, and there's no real evidence that they're over it all. Right. No. I mean, I also think like Trump has a has a grip on the base, and no, and like I just don't. I don't see how Trump light continues. To you know, I don't see how you just sub him. Right. What 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 is the appeal of diet Trump? In this case, was Trump without the things that made Trump unbeatable, which he ultimately was quite beatable. But it's Trump without the sort of charisma and the humor. Are you saying that Ron DeSantis isn't full of a sort of smoldering sexuality, a a, a kind of a kind of a kind of hot burning machismo that that America's swooning over? (laughs) Someone said he's like the he's like a sort of. bizarro mike dukakis oh my god that's really good that's right then he's sort of the dark mike dukakis because he looks like mike he he kind of does and (laughs) right you know there is a there is a but there there is a thing about desantis a thing about all these other people that the old school Republicans, some of whom, by the way, um, some of whom, by the way, in 2020 were, you know, never Trumpers still, that that he seems to have given them some sense of like, oh, we can get back to normal. He's not crazy. No, all that stuff in Florida is just a, just a show for the rubes. And, right. and, and as their proof point for that, I want to get your thoughts on this. Our old friend Jeb Bush endorsed Ron DeSantis. <laughs> that was amazing. So, what What do you think the thinking there was? Uh, well, I can't speak to Jeb's thinking on it. I really can't because uh, I, I it's 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 utterly inexplicable in my mind. But how do you think the average MAGA base voter who's deciding between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis looks at, shall we say, the Bush dynasty, Molly? How would you How would you think they feed? What do you think the normal MAGA, basic bitch MAGA, the Ugg boot pumpkin spice MAGA, um, thinks about the Bush family and the Bush endorsement? They're waiting for Bill Crystal. 
I think mine is somewhere in the list as well at that point. Right. Yeah. And, so, exactly. and, and I'm I mean, somewhere below, you know, the endorsement of Dr. Atheist Von Gay, the celebrity abortionist. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I do think it's true that like, if you think about the people who could hurt DeSantis the most, uh, Jeb Bush is right up there. I mean, they hate Jeb Bush. Look, they, they, they hate Jeb Bush in a, with a passion that defies all understanding because of three things. One, he was, I mean, his last name is, is the, is the first killer. Um, two, he is a, he is a representative in their minds of an era they hate with a passion. That was the era of, of, of relative decency and of, and of, and of generalized, a generalized sense of comedy. And I think the final part of it that they hate is they don't want any reminders that there was a world before Trump in some ways. They, they're like day zero people all the time. They live in the, you know, there was a, a time before Trump, which was darkness. And then there was Trump. And I, I just, and I wonder how does, how do you think DeSantis is going to handle being endorsed by Jeb Bush? I mean, they haven't said anything about it yet, but <laughs> I mean, the I, I guess the idea here is to try to get never Trump people to go along with Republicans and to get enough of a mass to go against Trump and to somehow, I mean, the math is not there. You know, you don't get to, the people who go to MAGA rallies aren't going to suddenly be like, DeSantis makes more sense, are they? I mean, maybe they will, I don't know. Well, look, I mean, DeSantis is, and the Times was, the Times is great on it, like the culture war mad libs of DeSantis' governance. Um, I, I think in all that, you know, he he's parked himself out in the part of the GOP base that that it's in a weird way, like even Trump doesn't go into that area. Like even Trump's not like publicly all in on having an anti-vax surgeon general in in. Right, in Florida. Right, right. Even Trump is not all in on the uh, on the sort of like the woke conspiracy is so vast we can barely say its name, you know. Right. And 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 frankly, and I I will tell you this, and you know I'm not one to give Donald Trump a lot of props for his political acumen or any other issue, but he is smart with the Republican base to be out there right now saying no, we're not going to cut Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. We're not doing that. What are you talking about? He knows who this. He knows who his people are. And right now, DeSantis right, right, is being right. advised by a bunch of like 34-year-old Ayn Rand jack-offs from libertarian think tanks. You know, you know, the Mises faction believes that we should, <laughs> that the starving of the seniors, well, if they if they decide they're gonna go ahead and do some work, well that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel bad that they want to starve the seniors, but I do think I mean you saw that Mike Pence was out there saying that actually we should cut social security and eat the cat food, granny, eat it. No, I mean, I mean, it's, they can't, it's like a drug. They are addicts. Like they cannot stop being addicted to wanting to cut entitlements, despite the fact that the American people hate it and will not vote for someone who does. It is, it is the third rail of American politics for a reason. Because, because even though as a small government, limited government guy, I don't want granny to eat cat food. Okay. We're a, we're a wealthy nation. Right. Granny doesn't have to eat fucking cat food. Seniors don't have to die because they can't afford surgery. Um, we're, right, we're a wealthy right. nation. It, it, yes, it costs a lot of money. Yes. It's got a lot of potential 
fiscal risks to the country. All that shit is manageable. Okay. All of it is manageable, but these guys keep touching this fucking third rail and thinking it's going to end any differently than it ever has before. And, and thinking they can argue their way out of it by saying, well, federal spending is so extreme. They didn't give a fuck when Trump was president. <laughs> they spent like drunken right. sailors in a whorehouse right. in nineteen tax in nineteen eighty. Right, right. They gave tax. They gave a tax cut that, when you did the math, eighty five percent of the benefit went to one hundred and ninety eight super high value, super high net worth individuals or or banks or hedge funds. I mean, oh, oh, of right. course, the little people were so worried about them. But yeah, I mean, even Trump won't touch some of the things that these guys are doing. How much do you think like the that that even the wannabes have sort of misread how far out the Republican base is? I mean, I, I think they're they think I mean, look, if Trump were a normal politician and he were ready to go, you know, and he were not the sort of narcissistic megalomaniac he is, then he then you could give the people a sort of uh, imitation Trump and it would be okay. But the reality is Trump is going to be like, why vote for this guy, Meatball Ron, when you can vote for me? And I'm like the original. I mean, it's not even like they're offering the sun. It's like they're offering some completely different person. Right. <laughs> and they're like, if you hold your nose, it's the same as Trump. And I don't, and I think that that is not, I think like you, what they greatly underestimate, which is really, I think, very true with all of these sort of political handlers, is that like people vote for people they want to hang out with, people they uh-huh. love. So, like the reason to uh, the reason if we're going to go through the list of like people who've lost elections, you know, the reason a Dukakis didn't win was because people didn't want to hang out with him, right? They didn't want to have beer a beer test. Time. Yeah, he failed and the beer test hardcore. He failed the beer. He, right. And I'll like, have some. So I'll have a Chablis. A, <laughs> right. So let's find a guy who's just like Dukakis, only shorter. And run him against a megalomaniac Republican who is not going to go quietly. Like, I mean, I think if Trump were saying, like, go support DeSantis, I'm done, that would be a different calculus. But that's not what's happening here at all. I I, I think that's exactly right, is that there's no there's no there's no understanding. I mean, look, I'll tell you why DeSantis is doing this right now. I know a lot of the people who have surrounded him in the consulting world, and I and I know what they do right now and have done for over a year now, because look, the presidential campaign has been in planning now for about 13 months, 13, 14 months when they had their first strategic meetings. And, and I know some of the people that are involved over there, and I promise you, I've seen these people operate before. I know them. I know their style. I know their method. Every day, they get up and they, phone, they call him or they text him and they say, my God, Ron, you got up this morning. And when you went to the bathroom, that was the most magnificent shit anyone's ever taken. It will change history. You are the greatest leader of all time. Ron, you chose the Big Mac today. That was a bold choice. There is nothing more exciting than watching a leader like you. You are the tallest, most handsome man in the world. You're a genius of unparalleled power. Men want to be you. Women want to be with you. Oh, Ron. Oh, He's been having his dick sucked 24-7 by these people for a year and a half. He now thinks this is easy. He now thinks this is going to go fast. He now thinks they have a plan that will tick, 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 and they will eliminate Trump and he will be president. I mean, Casey's already picking out curtains in the in the in the East Wing. Right. And 
But but I just want to add something that's like very petty and small. Oh, no, Molly, not I petty actually... and small because that would not – that doesn't work with me. <laughs> I mean, I actually texted this to you yesterday, but I, you know, and I actually was arguing with my kids about this today because I do have one kid who is a never-Trumper who likes DeSantis, which, by the way, is an oxymoron. Um, And we were – and I was saying, like, DeSantis is 5'8". Yeah. You've never seen a president under six foot in the age of television. You know, he is uh, – uh, one of the things I, I, I find deeply amusing on Twitter is that Dan Bongino one time just flat lied. And he told everybody on Twitter, like, Wilson's 5'2". I saw him. I'm 5'10". Maybe 5'9". I'm getting old. I'm shrinking. But Ron DeSantis is not as tall as I am. And when he's on stage with Donald fucking Trump in those giant platform lifts – and and Trump is hovering <laughs> over him like a sort of meat curtain. It is going, right. it is going curtain. like a, a lowering yeah. meat curtain. It is going to uh, the, yeah. the picture is gonna be dramatic. Mm-hmm. And Ron DeSantis, uh, one of his tells is the nasal pitch in his voice gets louder and higher and sharper. And he it Donald Trump is gonna rattle his shit and he's gonna just devour him on the stage. It's going to be like watching yeah. some sort of wild animal jump out of a bush and like tear the gazelle limb from limb. The gals, it was, and the gazelle will just lay there dying with that look of surprise and shock in its eyes. Like, this wasn't the plan. This wasn't the plan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think it's likely. Uh, I think that's, I think it's likely. I also think that like, Again, the idea that you can make a candidate in a lab that does the things you want them. And like we have seen again and again with political races that you don't get, you know, the voters have people they like and want to vote for. And every time like a Jeb comes along, the voters don't like it when you give them a candidate who you don't have, you know, like there were nobody in this Democratic, I mean, I feel like we are all suffering from a little bit of amnesia. Like I've been watching political panels where people will say like, well, Biden, they gave them Biden. That's not fucking true. Like, I hope oh. I can curse here. Like, oh, if no, no. If no Biden yeah. lost. <laughs> Biden lost a bunch of primaries. Biden was not the pick. Right. I mean, the Times endorsed Klobuchar right. and also Elizabeth Warren. I mean. Nobody gave the voters Biden. The voters wanted Biden. Right? At the end of the day, that was what they. I remember, and I remember you and I were talking about it back in in nineteen and twenty, like uh, like this idea that Elizabeth Warren was the front runner for a while, and Bernie was the front runner right. for a while, and and everybody had their moment, and it was like Joe Biden, the Energizer Bunny, grinding away, grinding away, and this idea that that Biden got it easy or that he didn't earn it. You're right. You're absolutely right. It's completely crazy. Right. But right. And and I mean, I also think that you can't just give someone, you know, you know, you can't just say, like, we've done the chemistry and we've decided that if we put together, you know, 20 percent of this and 30 percent of that, that we'll get, you know, Lincoln. That is not how it works. Look, I mean, I've met a few and I've helped build a few candidates in the lab and it rarely works. You have to either have the gift or you don't. Yeah. Donald Trump, for all he is an evil shitbag, has the gift. Has the gift. He has the skill. He has the talent. Yeah. Listen, Marco was a lab-built candidate, okay? He he, right. he was a candidate who was who was a confection. He was built 
message wise completely from scratch and and it wasn't a genuine you, you didn't you didn't ever you might have liked it but it's it's what i call in politics like the fake orgasm okay maybe it's convincing in the moment and kind of exciting but you ultimately unsatisfying and 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 so <laughs> You love me, don't I'm you? Love me. <laughs> I just, I just, I'm like, there's no other person you could have this conversation. With. <laughs> yes, go on. But, but you know, and I, I do think, and you wrote this. You wrote last week, I think it was. Uh, it no, this was it a couple days ago in Vanity Fair about you know the the, the fever shows no sign of breaking of Trumpism. Yeah, and, and I mean, are we? And I mean this like with a with a weird sense of optimism are we in for an era of more genuine candidates uh after all this are we are for good or for good or bad i mean if the republicans win we're in for an era of no candidates i mean yeah well that's true that's true too right i mean i would you know if we if we could defeat autocracy another time then maybe yes i mean i don't know like you know, I, what I would like is to go to sleep one night and to have two parties that both believed in democracy and its many foibles, you know. And uh, so, so I mean, it's certainly possible. Look, the reality is no matter what the pundit class wants and then, you know, no matter what the political consultant class wants, the voters still choose the candidates here. And I think that we're going to see that on a, you know, on a, in a real way with this Republican primary. And I also just think the thing that I keep coming up against again and again, when you like do the math on this is that like Mitch McConnell and all of these sort of leaders of the Republican party, they hate Trump, but they refuse to reject him because they're worried about alienating the base. But the problem is, until you reject him, they'll never say. Right, they'll never say the him. magic word. They'll never say the magic word. Yep, they'll never say the magic words. I will not vote for <clears> Donald <throat> Trump if he is the nominee. I will vote. I will either not vote. I will vote for Joe Biden or vote for a third party. They will not say the magic words. Right. They can't make themselves do it. And it is, it is so disturbing to me that the ones that people still think are like the good guys, like in the mainstream media. They still go to Lindsey fucking Graham for actual opinions about Donald Trump. I mean, these people are profoundly right. compromised by the fact that they cannot, under any circumstances, break the spell. They can't do it. They can't make themselves say the words, I won't vote for Donald Trump. I refuse to. He is anathema to me. This is a monster. He will destroy our country. He tried to overthrow our government. They can't say it. And even the good guys, you know, well, a handful will. Right. But 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 the vast majority will not. But the thing that I think is so interesting about this is if in 2020, when he lost, the Republicans were like, that's it. We're done. Or even right after January 6th, right? Mm-hmm. They said, mm-hmm. like, this guy tried an insurrection. He lost. We're done. We got to get, you know, we got to find new candidates. We got to reject Trumpism. It's time for us to close the door on this. Yep. Like people do after normal presidents lose, okay? Right. Then we'd be they'd actually be in a different part in a different position and they'd be rebuilding the party and maybe they'd have a consensus consensus candidate that people that could actually win, but they don't have that. As a listener to this podcast, you know democracy is in danger in America 
and beyond. This titanic challenge requires a powerful response, and that's why Resolute Square was founded. The Enemies List is part of the Resolute Square family. We're a pro-democracy network. The Enemies List is just one part of Resolute Square's pro-democracy content and coverage. Our members get particularly exciting benefits. Exclusive live roundtable discussions with me, Joe Trippi, Reed Galen, Stuart Stevens, and Tara Setmayer. In those discussions, you can ask us questions directly, as if you are in the room at a campaign strategy session. In these sessions, we'll give folks answers on how to fight back against the crazy, how to push back against the MAGA media, and how to communicate effectively in the battle for our democracy. We're building a new arsenal for democracy, and we could use your support. Head over to ResoluteSquare.com enemies to let the world know where you stand. Everybody's got a morning ritual. I know I do. And I want to feel like I'm getting my day going. I want to feel like I'm moving. And more than coffee sometimes, it's making sure you're clean, squared away, put together. You can get your day started by upping your shave game with Harry's sleekest razor yet, the craft handle. I like to use it because I've got to shave this giant dome of mine every day. So I got to keep it shiny. I have a beard, but I keep my neck clean front and back, do all the miscellaneous trimming. And the new craft handle, it actually is a lot more precision, at least that I found, with the new grip. I really like it a lot. You'll be getting quality shaving for a really amazing price. For now, they're offering the craft handle starter set for 10 bucks. It's a $17 value. So this is something you really should try. And if you don't like it, it's on them, guys. They stand behind the product. They guarantee it. How can you get a hold of the craft handle, the latest, greatest from Harry's? It's simple. Get it delivered to your door for 10 bucks at harrys.com slash enemies list. That's harrys.com slash enemies list. Yeah, I mean, uh, their commitment to the act, their commitment to the to the MAGA show, to the, to the stuff of MAGA, it's like they know it's poison and they can't stop taking it. They won't stop right. taking it. Right. And, and and nothing, nothing about, at least in at least in my in my pointy little head, nothing about um, Trump's current legal problems or political problems takes away from the fact that that he's the best known person in American politics in history by far. <clears throat> but I but I would also say the other thing is that you can't go around him. Like there, there, there no the bank, yeah, there's no that, bank shots around him. Right. right. Whereas the idea that Nikki Haley is somehow going to go around him or Tim Scott is going to oh. somehow, you know, trick people into just saying, well, I'm not, I'm, you know, I mean, you saw Sununu said, we're not, it said something to the effect of like, we're not, we're, we're, we're not anti-Trump. We're not pro-Trump. We're just moving on. Like, yeah, that that. I, if you had a normal candidate, maybe you could do that. But Trump is not moving. Right. When, when when if you if you have a candidate like that, if, if you have a Chris Sununu and he gets in, let's just say he gets in, his only play, of course, is to try to win New Hampshire and then hope hope and then hope from there. That's like pure like hopium. Um, but right. That's a great thing to think and say. But when Donald Trump's on the stage with you, knocking your fucking brains in. In a debate, right. or when Donald Trump's out saying "Kuxanunu," I don't like the guy. Who the fuck is he? And <laughs> right. and you know his right. wife is ugly, and he ki- he killed JFK. You know, doing whatever the fuck it right. is he's going to do. These guys don't have a they don't have a mental frame, and it's it's amazing to me. They've seen everything and learned nothing from 2015 to 2016. You know, from Rana and right. the pledge exactly. 
to the mainstream media treating it like, oh, well, Trump's done. He's said so many crazy things. No one would ever elect him now to, right. to people wish casting and saying, well, the party's now looking for a young conservative who can reach out to new voters. Oh, really? Right. That was 2016. There was Marco on the stage picking his hand up. Pick me. I'm the one. And, and no one wanted it. They want the crazy. They want the shittiest people in the world, not the best. I think there's a whole spectrum of like delusion that you caught up in that article of, about the fever of uh, the fever of Trump and that just like the the intensity of 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 Trump's base is still there maybe it's not maybe it's not as much as it was but you know it's like his approval among Republicans dropped from 93% to 79%. You tell me any candidate who wouldn't cut off an arm to have a 79% approval rating with their base voters. Right. I, so I have right. I have a, a scenario with a question for you that I believe is the unspoken end of all the other campaigns. What happens right. when Trump finally wakes up one morning and says, okay, fuck this truth social thing. I'm going back live on the Twitter machine with my 88 oh, yeah. no million question. followers. So I have about 1.5 yeah, yeah, yeah. million followers. Ron DeSantis, his personal account has 1.6. His governor's account has like three. Let's call it five in round numbers, okay, for Ron DeSantis. Right. Trump has 88 million followers. Now, I don't know how many are bots, but fuck it. We'll say the proportion of bots is irrelevant because all have the same proportion of bots. What happens when Donald Trump starts going in there with a fucking flamethrower on Twitter again? Ron DeSantis, I don't know anything. It, it, there's a, some very dodgy things about Ron DeSantis. And when he was teaching at a school, touching girls, I've heard things. Right. He may be a groomer pedophile. I've heard things. And you know what happens then? The right. fucking crazies that burns into their mind. What do you think happens when, right. when, when, when Trump returns to Twitter and goes to war with, with his, his Republican rivals? I mean, I think that's what happens. I think that there you can't win against Trump. I mean, I don't the only thing my only question for this, the only thing that could happen, I think theoretically, is that um I wonder if there's a world in which remember Elon is a huge Ron DeSantis fan. Mhm. And so I wonder if there's a world in which uh, Ron DeSantis puts his uh, Ron DeSantis Elon puts his finger on the scale for Ron. DeSantis. Wouldn't shock me. It would. It wouldn't shock me if he did that. Um, but, but the net number of of people Trump has following him that if you if you drew a Venn diagram of people who adore Donald Trump and people who adore Elon Musk, it's a really big Venn diagram that overlaps dramatically. And I don't think. Right. And I think Musk. There's an approval-seeking level of Musk behavior that that the cynical embrace of Ron DeSantis would not probably be worth the terrible blowback from the people who like put Daddy Elon in their Twitter profiles. <laughs> I mean, I just think like I, I I don't know. I mean, the, these two this base is so commingled. I don't know that you can get one, mm-hmm. you know, that you can, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I just think it's hard that the, that them destroying each other ultimately really makes a big opportunity for yeah. Democrats. Yeah. So what are you working on? Uh, what are you working on for Vanity Fair for next week? And what's next on the, uh, on fast politics? Well, well, I haven't written about it, but I'm thinking about writing about it, but I might not because I think that people might be bored by it, but I would 
the thing I have been thinking a lot about is this idea of the opportunity of uh, climb. You'll this is something you'll really hate. Actually, <laughs> you'll hate so much. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking like, oh, Rick will really hate this. Um, climate led uh, regu- more federal regulation along the lines of climate. No, I don't, listen, listen, listen. I, I, <laughs> well, I'm fine with federal climate regulation. As soon as we can start building more nuclear power plants, we're, we're going to be fine. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that was not where I was going with this. My thing. Do you favor was, my plan to, you know, to, what, to set off hydrogen bombs and volcanoes to cool the earth? Because that's a plan. Not, no, it, I do. It's I do a not plan. Not, I'm not saying it's a, a good terrible plan, plan. But it's my but plan. <laughs> I do think, I mean, the, the thing that we see in Ohio is, and I think it's really an interesting thing and also really important is that Trump did one thing. He had a lot of success railing <clears throat> against regulation. Mm-hmm. And every time you'd hear him talk, he'd be like, I'm going to take away two regulations right. for every one piece of oxygen I breathe. <laughs> right. And um, and what happened was we all got very used to that. And when the Biden administration came in, they did not necessarily jump in and renew some of that regulation. And in fact, I just saw that with these new, with the CHIPS Act, these companies are actually trying to, um, you know, not follow some of this regulation mm-hmm. because they're saying it will hurt their business. And, um, you know, remember, we're trying, you know, the Biden administration is trying to make manufacturing, American manufacturing more competitive with China. Right. China not known for its great environmental uh, restrictions, <laughs> you know. Right. No, China. <laughs> so China I, has rarely been considered a. Yeah. Uh, rarely been considered an environmental leader. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that what is happening, and and I also think what's really interesting about what's happened in Ohio is that really most of the Republicans are, uh, that are criticizing the Biden administration and and maybe they're right to criticize, but their criticisms tend to be uh, like, you know, uh, more liberal legislation. I mean, the kind of thing that liberals do, right? Like, you know, environmental regulations, more work from the EPA, the, I mean, there, you're really seeing like a lot of kind of the right embracing kind of a lot of leftist populism, which I think is a real opportunity for Democrats. Yeah. I think that, I think, no, no, listen, no, you're not, I'm not mad at it. Well, (laughs) you Molly, you, you, you do realize like I'm an actual environmentalist ex-Republican. I mean, you know, I love, you know, I love my 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 sounds like an my big fucked up state. Okay. Um, no, I believe I right. believe we have a responsibility. I, I think it's actually a conservative position to be responsible in the environment. Uh, and I I don't yeah. I don't well, believe that like that uh, uncontrolled strip mining is a is a is an is a universal good. <laughs> no. And look not. and look, the safety culture that was clearly missing um, in the heads of the people around Trump who literally listen to railroad lobbyists. And by the way, I don't know many railroad lobbyists. I don't know any railroad lobbyists, but I've known some lobbyists for, for dangerous things. They've got to be in right. like the top 10, Jesus Christ, how do I get up in the morning and lobby for this fucking organization or industry? Because it's a wreck. It's a, it's a hot mess. And and look, the the idea that you can have a future with Ron DeSantis because he'll be more focused on the wokeism than on 
than on the regulation of of dangerous chemicals. I mean, obviously, that's where Ohio is going to go. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, well, look. I mean, I would say I hope Sherrod Brown. I mean, I had uh, Doug Brinkley on my podcast, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he was saying that you know the Biden administration should try to have a try to put together a sort of Ohio task force led by Sherrod Brown, because Sherrod Brown has a real relationship with Ohioans. And like, you know, ultimately, I don't know, you know, Mayor Pete, I mean, the EPA was supposedly there that same day or two hours after, but like, yeah, but they lost, they lost the narrative, they they lost the narrative thread. They lost. And, and they should have, I mean, he should have been on the first plane out there just because, and and I know you can't do this for every single environmental disaster but for this yeah but when the fish started yeah dying, when, when shit started falling out of the air and, and the cats i'd be yeah. pissed if my when cat the cats, died in the chemical spill start, right if the when the pets start dying it's probably time you know? well i'll keep an eye out for any disasters on this end but yes. uh, molly thank you for coming yes. on the show today thanks for having me this was great of course i'll talk to you again later okay cool all right great all right Bye. thanks again bye Okay, look, the enemies list is replete with people you know. Full of people you know because they're assholes. Full of people you know because they're evil. Full of people you know because they're just generic shitbirds at some level in our culture, our politics, our society. And they're easy to point to and they're easy to laugh at. And some of them are more serious, but there was an incident last week that really defines part of the moment we're in. There's a group of Nazis. That's what they are. Let's not fuck around and pretend there's not some some distinction between these guys and Nazis because they're Nazis who say they're Nazis and practice a Nazi philosophy and attack Jews called the Goyim Defense League. Now, these assholes show up at a synagogue in Orlando and begin to berate and scream at Jews with bullhorns, blocking their cars coming in and out of the synagogue. And the reaction on the right was, oh, it's a, it's a false flag. They're, they're feds. They're glowing. It's the deep state trying to frame the right. No, folks, it's not. There are fucking Nazis in this country now who feel free to do this in public. And there was a moment in our history where the Klan was a common social organization in this country, and it was driven largely underground. Now, it is making a comeback, unfortunately, in this country, but neo-Nazis are making a comeback too. And these people from the Goyim Defense League should be the target of everyone's ire. And yes, you know what? I'm a pretty much a free speech absolutist, but these guys can fuck right off. Now, the Goyim Defense League is run by a new Florida resident named John Minadeo II. John is a overt neo-Nazi. He's proud of it. He's open about it. It's not a false flag. It's not a government stooge. It's not a deep state operative. He's a guy who believes that Jews deserve to be thrown in ovens. He's a guy who believes in violence and anti-Semitism and is practicing it in public, in the daylight. And it's not Ron DeSantis' fault that John Minadeo is there. 
Ron DeSantis has spent an awful lot more time worrying about drag queens than he does about Nazis. He spent a lot more time worrying about imaginary woke demons out there in, in the books kids might read, including banning a book about Rosa fucking Parks, you know, that dangerous left-wing activist, than he does about neo-Nazis storming outside of a, of a Jewish facility in Orlando. They're out there. It's a growing movement. And unless people take stands on them in public, and I'm not saying that their First Amendment rights don't exist, I'm just saying that people need to be ready to confront them, ready to shame them, ready to drive them from society, because that's what they deserve. They're on the enemies list. There's no coming back. They'll never get their shit together. They can all fuck right off. Thanks again for listening to the enemies list. If you have any comments, questions, or if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, hit me up on Twitter at the Rick Wilson. Thanks again for the wonderful support you've shown the pod. We're growing fast. It really helps if you will share this with your friends, your family, and anyone else who like us is trying to save democracy. While you're at it, if you could rate and review the podcast, I would be very much appreciative. I know this is the sort of thing you've heard a billion times. Please rate, review, like, blah, blah, blah. But you need to do it. It really does help us a lot. We are slaves to the algorithm, my friends. And if you do this, it will help get the pod out further. Anyway, thanks again for listening. I'll see you next time. And remember, whatever you do, stay off the list.